Hello, beautiful people out there. Welcome to Lost Rhetoric. I am Jason Dingus. Thank you, as always, to all return listeners and to any new listeners that might be tuning in. Uh, You picked a good one. Tonight is the 10th episode, and uh, it's a cause for a little bit of celebration. Uh, So, you know, crack a beer or do whatever you need to do to to help me celebrate uh, 10 straight weeks and uh, no end in sight. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks as always for for being here with me. And if you've been here since the beginning, fucking a, I love you. And uh, tell everyone you know, scream it from the rooftops. If you have uh, roof access, get up there, start yelling. Tell all your friends casually in conversation or uh, abruptly uh, cut them off in conversation and yell at them about how much you love this podcast. Uh, I'll take it either way. But definitely spread the word. Uh, I, I would really appreciate it. Um, let's get into uh, top cities, top five cities. If you tuned in last week, um, nothing's changed. Top five is exactly the same as it was last week. So I'm just going to rattle them off real quick here. Number one, Winchester, Virginia. Number two, Portland, Oregon. Number three, Happy Valley, Oregon which I accidentally uh, drove into the other day out uh, on a drive with my son because we just, you know, go out on drives in the middle of the day sometimes to, you know, break the monotony and keep our sanity. But I I didn't even know I was in Happy Valley until I saw a sign telling me I was. Uh, So I was pleasantly surprised. It was was nice to to visit. Um, Number four. Tigard, Oregon, and number five, Bon Air, Virginia, there in the Richmond area. Thank you all for your diligent listener uh, listenership, I guess. I don't know. I guess that's the right use of that word. But uh, what am I listening to? I am listening to the new Orville Peck show pony. Uh, it's... A typical amazing Orville Peck. I wanted to call him Orville for a second, like we were buddies. Like t- typical Orville, you know, just cranking out good shit left and right. But um, yeah, it, it it's great. Check it out if you if you know his work, you'll you'll be excited. And if you don't know his work, get excited and check him out. I've also been listening to the new album by Primitive Man called Immersion, out on Relapse Records. Uh, Fucking crushing, as usual. Uh, Friends of mine, Ethan and Jonathan, hello. Uh, (laughs) Just, yeah, keep it up, boys. It's fucking insanity. And if if you're into basically the heaviest music on the planet Earth, you will love Primitive Man, so check them out. I will be ordering my copy here soon. Um, yeah. So tonight I am going to be talking about the Lonnie Zamora incident with my friend Emily Donat. Uh, but before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you real quick to please rate and review, uh, Follow me on social media. Find me uh, on Instagram at Lost Rhetoric Podcast, on Facebook at Lost Rhetoric Pod. Write me at uh, Lost Rhetoric Podcast at gmail.com. 
and hit me up and spread the word. And uh, my friend Mandy left a really glowing review and I really appreciate it. So thank you, Mandy. And yeah, get on there. And if you, if you, if you listen on Apple podcasts, uh, yeah, leave a, leave a rating and leave a review. I, I really would appreciate it. And uh, other than that, just keep listening and keep spreading the word. Um, but yeah, tonight, my friend Emily and I, we, we talk for a while, so really stick with me on, the, on this episode because, you know, I, I kind of shoot for the episodes to be an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, but I've been researching the fucking shit out of these things and there's just no way I can fit it all in in that time period, at least not this week. So it, it does go over the two hour mark, but I assure you, uh, the information's just flowing until the very end. So stick with it. And Emily was a great guest. She's fucking hilarious. And, um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, without dragging on any longer, here it is. Here's me and Emily Donat talking about the Lonnie Zamora incident. Emily. Yes. How's it going? Doing great. How are you doing? Um, the same. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say exactly the same. You're still the same as always. <laughs> great, absolutely great. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm sweating a little bit, but that's par for the course i think yeah that's summer for you it is gonna be sweating it is summer and i feel like my brain is like pushing sweat out from the pores in my my head from being swole with all the research for this Mm. uh because i'm telling you i didn't think honestly i did not think it would be this much there's I, there's so much mm-hmm. about. I was reading aloud from those little newspaper um, things. I don't really know what to call them. They're not really quite a newspaper. Clippings. Anyway, or... <laughs> clippings. Well, they're sort of yeah. Pub the the publication. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's a lot, man. Uh, tonight, um, so the the listeners aren't in the dark the whole time, we're going to be talking about the Lonnie Zamora incident from uh, 1964 in Socorro, New Mexico. Now, uh, you are currently in New Mexico, correct? Yes, I am. I am in Santa Fe, mm. hailing from our alma mater, College <laughs> of Santa Fe. Yeah, the the now defunct College of Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of twice defunct. Twice yeah, defunct, yeah. They tried to redo it. They tried to um, squat it. Yeah. And it, that also went down. Yeah, the Santa Fe Inst- Santa Fe Institute of Art and Design, right? Yes. Um, 
Yeah, we went there when there it was a bit simpler times and a simpler name. And you are actually my first guest from CSF, believe it or not. Oh my gosh, what an honor! <laughs> Truly, and Truly. I I have I have a couple queued up. Um, okay, but you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give any spoilers because I'm sure the audience is just <laughs> riddled with CSF people or people who know about CSF and are just curious. You know, a lot um, of misfits. A lot of at the college of Santa Fe. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where we met. That's how we know each other. Uh, my okay. guest, my guest tonight is Emily Donat. Um, I. I had a thought because both of our last names are one letter away from being ridiculous. Yes. Um, <laughs> or, you know, if, if someone, if some idiot wanted to like, you know, make a bad joke, they could easily twist our names into something stupid. Oh man, that's so, my life story. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm Donut. Donut. Yeah. Um, if we if we had a sports a, a talk sports radio show, mm-hmm. it could be Donut in the Dingus. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. And I feel like Dingus was said a lot in my household growing up. Really, I didn't like, hear. It's the number one best insult. Oh man, I agree, but I honestly didn't hear it until Nelson from The Simpsons started saying it. I mean, people would. <laughs> yeah, people people would mispronounce my name all the time. Teachers on the first day of school, every every class, every first day of school, oh. whatever. But no one, I don't ever remember anyone using dingus as an insult to anyone let alone me have you, have you not heard the um dingus dongus alamogongus no i'm not even sure where that came I've from i've never heard that i i say it about two times every day oh wow good all right i call my kids that well i'm they're... like y'all there's some dingus donguses <laughs> i've never heard that but i'm gonna have to adopt that because but i i know there's those, those old movies, Dirty Dingus McGee, which is, uh, anyway. anyway. That's nasty. <laughs> it sounds really gross, but it, there, there are these Western movies. Um, anyway, <laughs> look, look it up. Dirty Dingus McGee. It's ridiculous. I'll check him out. <laughs> I, I did have someone tell me one time they thought my last name was Gonad. Gonad? Like, like, instead of Donat... They thought it was gonad. Uh, gonad. And uh, mm, interesting. yeah, people if they don't go for the donut, they go for the gonad. Okay, I didn't so even what that did you do? that didn't even register with me. Gonad. That's just too Good, far. I'm glad. Too, too glad far off that. base. That's just you're changing too many letters there. And you, that's true. You can't change the first and last letter of someone's name to ridicule them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It happens to the best of us, unfortunately. I, obviously. Um, yeah, so <laughs> back to, I guess, the task at hand. Uh, yeah. Lonnie, Lonnie Zamora incident. Socorro, New Mexico. Yeah. April 24th, 1964. Uh, before, yeah. before our time, well before our time, you yeah. know, still, yeah. we're not, you know, we're young, still young. Very yeah. young. Still... I wasn't even a dirty 
speck in my father's eye Not stu- in yeah. 1964. Not even close. Maybe. I know my dad was, he was nine. He was almost ten, so maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But who, who cares about us That's <laughs> at this point? No one. Um, but Socorro, um, have you ever been? I, you know, I've been trying to think about it. I don't think I've ever actually been there. I think I've passed through there a few times. I feel like I hear about it quite a lot, but I don't think I've actually spent any time in Socorro. Neither have I. I, I don't. I don't think I've. I, I, unless I drove through. Yeah, I don't. I've never. I've never been there. But you know, for my own education and for the listeners, let me uh, let's let's talk about Socorro real quick. It's it's central-ish New Mexico. It's pretty damn close to it's central. Um, it's about 74 miles south of Albuquerque, which is the okay. big hub, as everyone knows. And uh, it's about 146 miles north of Las Cruces, which is way south, down on the Mexican border, right by El Paso. Yeah. So, yeah, it's central-ish. And uh, it's close-ish to White it is yeah a couple hours i believe um but that will come up later oh in part of the story absolutely absolutely military base there absolutely yeah there's a couple bases that are very important to this story actually um but um yeah so the elevation of socorro is 4579 feet which is in my experience, great terrain for a UFO to land. <laughs> seems like they seems like the right spot. Here. They love the high desert. Seems like the right spot. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the population of Socorro in 2010 was 9,051 people, but now on their website, they're saying it's 8,900. So. Hmm. Town is shrinking. Uh, maybe people are scared. Like, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, they're they're just now starting to hear about this Lonnie Zamora character. Mm. Fucking getting out of there. Um, yeah, they don't want to be part of it. No, they can't have any weirdness in their life. They just. <laughs> um. So yeah, the, the 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 town itself is about fourteen. Roughly fourteen and a half square miles, and it's it's fucking New Mexico, so it's mountainous. It sits in the Rio Grande Rift, and there's you know a bunch of flatland surrounded by a bunch of pinyon <laughs> uh, juniper, yeah, brush, and, yeah, extinct, extinct, extinct volcanoes and shit like that. Um, yeah. Uh, Interestingly enough, on the Socorro, New Mexico uh, website and their Wikipedia page, there is no mention of this incident or Lonnie Zamora himself. Can you believe that shit? Not, not That's even, a shame. not That's even, a damn shame. not even as a notable person, for, like from Socorro. They don't even give. Not a, cool. Not even this motherfucker was on Unsolved Mysteries. That is a notable That's what person. I was about to say. That is. He was on the Ridge Unsolved Mysteries. That's right. So. Yeah, that I is. I don't know what they're. 
I don't know what their uh, Wikipedia person's thinking. We're going to have to change that. We could probably get on and change it because that's bullshit. But okay, I want everyone who's listening to get on the Wikipedia <laughs> and change it immediately. Notable person from Socorro, Lonnie Zamora. I mean, come on. I mean... Lonnie. Oh, Lonnie. Um, actually, now that... Yeah, Lonnie's not his real name. No way. <laughs> yeah, uh... His real name is uh, Denosio. Denosio. Uh, yeah, I've never heard that na- name. Uh, D I N. D I N O C I O. Denosio is his real name. Denosio. Denosio hmm. E Zamora, also known as Lonnie. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to look up the the obituary to find that, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's not among us anymore. No, I didn't realize that because I was I was watching the uh, Unsolved Mysteries and he just seemed as <laughs> as uh, alive as ever. Yeah, that, that was show. I didn't I didn't check oh, I didn't check the date on that, but that was probably almost thirty years ago. I don't know. Maybe. Gosh, every single day, which is the years keep coming, they don't stop coming. They don't. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, on this particular day, um, now that we're talking about days, mm-hmm. uh, he, yeah. he, yeah, he had this really awesome experience or some would say it's awesome. Um, yeah. so it was clear ish. There were a few clouds in the sky, but it was a sunny day. Nonetheless, uh, Friday, um, yeah, so Friday's a, a wild night for cops. But uh yeah, Friday, April twenty fourth, nineteen sixty four. Yeah, at and it was pretty early, honestly. This this all happened hover, it all hovered around six PM, so mm-hmm. yep. the sighting officially went down at five fifty. Oh. Which is still daylight. It's it's still daylight, which is crazy. Yeah. It's that's crazy to me. Because it was, um, yeah, we'll get into it, but that's just... We'll get into it, but there are some details regarding light. Yeah. It's been a pretty powerful light. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Friday, 5.50, uh, old uh, Denosio, a.k.a. Lonnie, who is, at the time, 30 years old, is working for the Socorro City Police, and he was chasing a speeding car at high speeds uh, heading south on... South Park Street. Um, so, yeah, he came up on the church of Buena Pastor, which is Good Shepherd in in English. But, um, yeah, I don't know if that church is still around for all you Socorro listeners, which I'm sure they're in abundance. Uh, hi, Socorro listeners. <laughs> hi, Socorro. You, change your Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, he, yeah, so he's passing the church and he heard a loud roaring sound, sound, and out of the corner of his eye to the southwest, he saw a blue flame, which disappeared downward to the ground and out of sight. So instead of chasing this delinquent fucking person speeding down the street, which he claims, he, he says he, he thinks he knew who it was anyway. I saw that. Right? I was like, well, just put this on the back burner. I know that's little yeah. Romero. I mean, what's he going to do? He, that, I'm just making that. I don't know his name. But yeah, <laughs> he knows who he is. So he said, forget it. 
I'm chasing the blue plane. Yeah. Around. What's he going to do later? Give him a ticket or just scold him or it's, I know. I think he just poor him forgot about it. Yeah. Just, that's, my, that's my guess. Well, yeah, that is very true. But initially he was just like, I know this guy, fuck it. I'm going to do the more interesting thing because yeah. that he thought there was something sketchy going on, obviously. Uh, just just like there is right outside my window right now. There's a bunch of sirens going off. But um there you go. so he turned Hi. off he, he turned off South Park Street onto a dusty trail just going into the desert. And at first he thought somebody was quote fooling around with yeah. with the uh, dynamite shack that he knew that was out in that general direction in where the sound. I the... love that detail. There's a dynamite shack. Yeah. It's probably still there. I That's bet. That's what's great about New Mexico. Yeah. You know, all these old mine shacks and things, so. Yeah, that's. Cool. Yeah, and he it's knows. business, down at the old dynamite shack. And I'm sure there's plenty of, I mean, cops out there got to deal with, with, I'm sure, just all sorts of crazy fucking shenanigans in the middle of nowhere. It's just like, you got to keep your wits about you. Because yeah. <laughs> some some somebody could be fucking around with the old dynamite shack. You don't you don't know. Totally. So so yeah, he's starting to head out that way, and um, there's no real road to follow. So he just went. There's this mesa that he's got to scale up. He's got to go up this sort of steep grade, and he had to go for it three times. He just apparently it was. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, he just. He didn't, cause it's, you know, it's some dusty, gravelly terrain out here. And, uh, you know, the Mesa just kind of does go straight up. Yeah. And then makes, like, a tabletop formation. Right. So I can't imagine if there's no road how intense that would be in 1964 in a, in a long, most likely, shallow cop car yeah. to go up. Absolutely, and you know, and, and he could have hit any sort of any manner of soft spot that just whatever or rocks. Yeah. Who knows? Who Rock. knows? Um, but yeah, he yeah he went for it three times. He finally got up there and eventually got it to the top, and then he went down to the other side. And this is the first the quote first time he he saw what he saw, um, because he he kind of breaks it down into two different distinct times where he had a visual um yeah yeah because i think he moved slightly he did yeah he did um so this first time for a few seconds about 10 15 seconds the gully to the south of him was visible and he saw um a white object and the details vary but at first it was a white object about 450 feet away from him that he thought initially was an overturned car and uh like standing straight up and down yeah it was some yeah exactly some crazy shit and um uh he he says there were two children or small adults standing by it and there's still there's still some confusion if maybe if he ever said the term little men um but it, it comes out later that an fbi agent suggested that he makes no mention of little men to reporters so yeah. he, he may have changed it to small adults or large kids <laughs> that that he saw right, he didn't want to sound you know too crazy with the little men story yeah. we all know who those little men are we all kind of know maybe 
This story's kind of weird, man. I don't. I still don't exactly know what to believe, but um, I, I, I do. <laughs> I do feel. I do feel Lonnie was worried about being judged, and uh, didn't. He may. He may. He he seemed a little worried about coming out and saying, "Yeah, I saw oh, yeah. aliens." He he didn't want to say that, and um, no, what is what pretty bad at that time yeah absolutely people would have questioned him yeah but he saw what he saw and um he also said that these two people were wearing all white and it looked like overalls or coveralls that a mechanic would wear so it's it just bless you and it it seems it seems like some sterile environment in the desert or something like some fucking lab you know like a UFO. I don't know. Like a spacesuit. Like a spacesuit. Like a mechanic suit. <laughs> yeah. For Pete's sake. So yeah, at this point, he got a better look, and he he describes the craft now as quote like aluminum. It was whitish against the Mesa background, but not chrome, and shaped like the letter O. And that's. Like a donut. Yeah, like a do- absolutely, like a fucking donut. <laughs> and, All coming back. Dingus. <laughs> yeah, it's all flooding back now. Um, but then he, um, oh well, let me backtrack just a sec. That 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 description was his first initial. Or I guess kind of his... thought he thought. Yeah, it was kind of his second... He's getting closer and closer. So at this point, it's shaped like an O, and that's what he's going with. Um, So at that moment... He's very confused. He's like, what am I looking at here? Absolutely. And um, he's also wearing, like, two pairs of glasses, so... Yeah, he's wearing his prescription glasses and sunglasses on top of them but it you know it's 6 6 p.m almost in in the desert so uh yeah it's gonna you're gonna see some bright light strong you call have those transition lenses in 1960. no strong call thank Lonnie. god yeah so at the, at the moment where he is observing this one of these people small adults or large children uh appeared to turn and look at him and seem startled so at that moment, he called his. He got on the radio and called his friend Sergeant Sam Chavez of the state police, who's a big player in this story. And he tells he he tells Sam to come to him and meet him and come alone specifically, like come yeah. by yourself. So after he yeah, makes, they're buds, they're bros, they're super and they're coworkers. They, and he trusts him, and yeah. he's like, "Don't bring anyone else because I'm seeing some weird stuff." Yeah. And side note. If I were to see an alien, or, okay, what I'm saying is an alien, a small child, little adult, looking startled. Right. To me, oh, yeah. that's a scary moment. That's... I would be like, oh, yeah. I'm scared too. Yeah. i got to call my friend. Okay, yeah. so just I... call him Chavez. Dude, I would shit my pants. I would think, yeah, I'd be, they're coming to get me style. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that image yeah. of a startled, scared um, per, uh, otherworldly being, yeah, is uh, it's a little creepy. It is super creepy, and he yeah. he kind of reacts accordingly here. Um, 
he he drove after he made the call to Sam to tell him to come meet him. He drove his car up and across the next mesa. Yeah. And while he was doing that, he radioed uh, to um, his people in the city police to tell him that he would be out of his vehicle checking out, a, quote, checking the car in the Arroyo. Um, or I guess that he must have said that before because he knows it's not a fucking car anymore. But he he parks. Right. He parks. On the second Mesa... He doesn't want them to think he's seeing something bizarre. He doesn't, he's also not sure yet, right? Right. He no. said it was a car. I don't know. Well, he, he's definitely saying it looks like a weird craft that is shaped like an O. And he... Okay. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't... He, he doesn't think it's a car. I think I had the timeline wrong on that. But he does go to the next Mesa, and he parks the car, and at that moment he hears... Two loud metallic banging noises, like people speculate maybe the doors are closing on the craft. Doors shutting. Yeah. yeah. So he gets out of his car and he's all fucking fumbling around and he knocked his mic down on you know his radio and he had to pick it up and put it back. And the people are gone that he saw. So I'm sure he's just like absolutely freaking the fuck out at this point. Shell shock. Yeah. yeah. And he's called his bud. He's called. He's called the office. He he's he's let kind of everyone know that it, what he's let his people know where he's at at least, and he's let one friend know to come and come and hang out with him. Which can't really be easy to find. No, really, no. But you know, I guess it is sort of a small town. People probably know. Okay, I don't yeah. like little roads, blah blah blah. But I wonder how long he was out there by himself. It doesn't Before seem. Buddy it, it doesn't seem very long, and I did read that it. It does. He, Chavez, I think, did have had to call in to get better directions eventually, um, to to his yeah. to his spot. I did read that. Um, he, yeah, he he did have to find him. He didn't just like go straight to him because he knew exactly where he wow. was. Uh, from what I've yeah, read, yeah, this is a desert. No, no real markers. Right. Out here, yeah, so. and he's and he's just off trail here. He's off. He's just fucking scaling no hills. Yeah. yeah. So so after these doors close and they've seen him and he's called his buddy and he's called the office and he's just trying to get a better look. Um, he sees the craft in more detail. So he says now it's oval in shape. Smooth, no windows or doors, and he notes some red red lettering of some type. And yes. he says that the the insignia he calls it was about two and a half feet high and about two feet wide, and was in the middle of the the thing. And it still looked like aluminum white. He calls it so. Basically, yeah. and this is important because this is what everyone else fucking calls it. It is. I mean, it looked like a fucking egg. So, okay. So yeah. It's it's. I can see that, and it's white. It's white. Yeah, it's like white aluminum material with red insignia. Which the insignia is kind of important because there's all this speculation about what it was, and um, there's he was asked to be silenced, like or to be quiet about it. Um, we'll we'll get into some of that. Yeah, later but detail there. Yeah, one of the one of the the guys from White Sands told him to not release that so they could validate 
other sightings that Future could reports. possibly trickle yeah. in. Like, don't Just give like people in the murder shows, exactly. They don't give all the details to the public. Don't give, yeah, don't give them everything. So he no. he does have radio interviews where people ask him about it, and he's like, I I've been told not to say anything about that, and it sounds sketchy, but it's actually pretty smart. Um, it makes sense. He's just listening to his superiors. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So at this moment where he's, you know, out of his car, fumbling about here, witnessing this egg, um, and the people are gone that he saw, he hears a loud... yeah. Yeah, he hears a loud roar, and then the craft, you know, began to kick up dust, he says... And uh, he says, I didn't know whether to shoot, start running, or call back for help, you know? <laughs> Cause yeah, it's, it's like fight, flight. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Whatever the other thing is. You don't know if this thing's coming to or get death. you or if it's going to blow up because you don't know what it is, you know? Yeah, he's um, just in the moment watching it all unfold. Exactly. And um, he uh, he gets real goofy because he seems like he might be a little shaken like anyone else would be so he it's this thing starts to make a bunch of noise and kicking up dust like it's taken off basically and uh he gets up runs and bumps into his car bumps into the bumper he falls to the ground sunglasses fall off his face i think his glass his glasses both pairs are gone he can't see uh as well yeah now he's completely disoriented um and he was panicked you know because yeah, obviously. And he may have been a little embarrassed to admit this later, but... Well, as a cop, like, in the early 60s... Yeah, when you you're know, a man's man. New Mexico, you don't want to be looking like a fool or telling silly stories. No. You want to be serious and look taken seriously, so I think this was intense for him. Yeah, and, you know, that does come up later. That, that was definitely a part of him not really wanting to talk about it very much, you know? is the, the perception of him so we'll get, we'll get into that a little later for sure um but yeah so as this thing is taking off he's running past like the craft the, his car is in between the craft and himself and he's just running over the edge of a hill and he ducks down and um he uh the the he noticed that the roaring had stopped like abruptly the the loud roar was gone and he looked up and he saw the craft moving away from him, rising like toward the southwest, and it was emitting a blue, bluish orange flame of a quote particularly brilliant hue. Not his words, but uh, writer's words. The L's, word. you nailed it. That's right. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just say who the L's are <laughs> in a minute. But uh, yeah. which was you know three or four times as long as it was wide this flame. Um, I'm thinking he only lost his sunglasses honestly because he how he can't see this shit without his glasses. Because I think he only lost yeah. his sunglasses. Um, I mean we it weren't be like from a blast like you yeah. know forced to the ground and I don't know it sounds pretty powerful. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so it goes from a roar to. Like uh, what he says, a high-pitched whining sound, and it was oh, yeah, that's it was ascending at a really shallow angle. About uh, and I've heard him say a couple things: ten to fifteen feet off the ground. And in, in Unsolved Mysteries, he says twenty to thirty feet off the ground. Yeah. But either way, he says it just barely cleared the dynamite shack, which apparently is 
only eight feet high. So the 10 to 15 thing kind of makes the most feet, it kind of makes the most sense to me. And, uh, yeah, it was like a super low hovering. Yeah. Like. Yeah. This thing never seemed to get very high in altitude. Um, uh, by a few witnesses, honestly. Uh, but yeah, he said it started moving yeah, at a high yeah. speed. It started picking up speed, and it eventually had no flame, smoke, or noise, and it just disappeared over the mountain, out of sight. Yeah, uh, so low, and then creeping up, and no sound, I guess. Um, and out, yeah. So he ran to his car, radioed to operator Nep Lopez. That's N E P Nep. Little Nep. <laughs> Little Nep. I bet his full name was like Nep. Hmm. Anyway, I don't that's know. my guess. I, I've, I, I've, like real name to me. I've been wondering what it is. Honestly, I want to know what it's short for, or it's just Nep, which would be fucking even better. Honestly, his little buddy Nep. Is okay. <laughs> I hope Nep is huge. I hope he's a big guy because Nep seems like a small <laughs> man's name. He, he sounds like a little. Sounds like a little guy to me. Sounds like a. It sounds a like a little nephew. guy. <laughs> I hope he's like seven feet fucking tall. But, uh, let's look back on, let's find out, Wikipedia, Socorro, get it together, we want to know who Nep is. Yeah, somebody started Nep Lopez Wikipedia page, please. Thank uh, you. So, yeah, he called Nep, and he asked if anyone had seen anything, or if they could see anything from the office, and, um, he said no, and, you know, if they were, if, if the craft was flying low for a, a while, uh, there's no way they could have seen it anyway, but apparently, exactly. apparently Nep's window was facing north in his office, and Zamora never even told him which direction to look. So poor old Nep's oh, yeah, just so looking like out his window, catch, like right? I don't see anything, but he was looking yeah. in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. Um, Nep. Yeah, but if blew it, Nep. if you Nep's if Nep's as tall as we hope he is, he could have just stepped outside and peeked over some some trees or. I'm telling you, who knows? A little guy. <laughs> who knows? Gonna find out. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's it with for Nep in this story. Oh, I know. God. Too, gone too soon. But um. Bye, Nep. We loved you. You were a good man. <laughs> sorry. Big, small. We don't know. We you got a great name. Sorry, you didn't see anything. Um, yeah. Speaking of people who didn't see anything, uh, within minutes of this call and of the craft leaving, like a couple minutes after, Sam Chavez shows up. And, uh, oh, God. Voice of reason. Yeah, Zamora rushes up to him and he asks, and I quote, Do I look strange? And Chavez replied, You look like you've seen the devil. And then Zamora said, Well, maybe I have. <laughs> Yeah, he saw that startled alien child. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that who knows? But he, Zamora said that he was quote white, very pale in the face, just you know, ghostly. Um, and but I I love in like the the unsolved mysteries episode, he kind of his face looked gray after the thing took off. I don't know if you noticed that, or it was just the. I did not notice that detail, to it, be honest, but it, I did notice the sincere brotherhood between those two. Me too. But it looked, to yeah. me, it, it looked like a cartoon bomb had exploded in his face or something. Wow. Startled. 
Yeah, but um, yeah, I guess he was very scared, pale, and freaked out. Was fre- was freaking out, um, but he was upset, or he was upset later because Chavez says he didn't see anything, and then Zamora said later, and I quote, "If he had just paid attention, he would have seen it." <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I. I think Chavez was just... Maybe he was too worried about his buddy, you know? He's, like, focused on his friend who's freaking out. Yeah, absolutely. And he was just trying to find out where the fuck he was going. Because, like I said, I think he had to radio in (laughs) to get the coordinates or something from possibly Nep. (laughs) And just ask, where the fuck is he? I don't know. Is it north? Is it south? I'm not sure. Am I big? Am I small? Yeah. My window only... I can only see one direction. I can't. I can't leave. I can't go outside. I don't know where I am. I don't know how big I am. I don't know where I am. He blew it. He blew it. <laughs> Poor Nep. He's the scapegoat. He's the scapegoat tonight. We can blame everything on old Nep. Um, God, I love him. <laughs> so they, the two men, Chavez and Zamora, and Zamora reluctantly, it seems, walked down to where the craft was. And they said that the earth was still smoking. Uh, several clumps of grass had been burned, as well as some greasewood bushes. And, um, yeah. I ain't never heard of greasewood bushes. Greasewood bushes. I also read mesquite bush, which okay, seems more familiar to me. Like something I can imagine. I know the word mesquite. I'm about some dry, woody, sticky, thick straw. Right. Brush. Okay. Um, so they, they said the bushes were still hot, you know, and mm-hmm. the grass was smoldering. And a, a couple of, of uh, deputies showed up because of, uh, because of Zamora's call to, to Nep. We'll call the couple. Uh, deputy, yep. <laughs> deputy, <laughs> deputy Sheriff uh, James Lucky and Ted Jordan showed up. Short, oh, shortly Lucky. after. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Jim Lucky. Good names in this story. I know. It's pretty amazing. And uh, it's spelled L-U-C-K-I-E, actually, which is I think is even better. Uh, it is. It's a, that's good luck. You yeah. You spell it that way. Yeah, it's like the four-leaf cle- four clover of last names or something. Yeah. Um, so they, they show up and can verify... All of these conditions, all of the, the, the smoldering ground, the burnt bushes, and, uh, the you know, all that shit. Um, so Chavez says that the charred portions of the, the bush there were, quote, cold to the touch, which is really interesting. And, uh... I think it was fast. Yeah, um... And he also said that there were no prints by a vehicle or by foot other than the ones that Zamora created. That's what he said. Uh, but I also read an article from the New Mexican the following Monday, because this happened Friday on the 24th. And this article on Monday the 27th said that there were prints like a mountain lions around the charred area, which only makes sense to me. Because it just sounds like there was a fucking mountain lion. And it probably happened after... Chavez left. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's totally possible. No big deal. Uh, But this guy, Ted Jordan, um, had a camera and took a bunch of pictures. 
And once the Air Force showed up, which was about 90-ish minutes after the, the incident, around two hours, um, they saw him taking pictures and they took his fucking camera and his film. And he was oh. he was in the uh, um, Unsolved Mysteries episode and he sounded so sad recalling the story. Uh, yeah, it was he, like his big chance. Yeah, because he, like, he never got it back. He blew it just like that. Yeah, and yeah. they took it yeah. They took his film. He requested to get his negatives or prints or something. I at least hope he gets his fucking camera back, at the at the least. Yeah. But he got he contacted him and he said, or they said, someone told him that the film is ruined by radiation, which right. is mm-hmm. interesting. Like story. Yeah, uh, radiation. Where is the question? Mm. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, like I said, um, yeah, the Air Force is there eventually, and the, F- and the FBI, the FBI is there within a couple hours. It, it's it's starting to get crazy because um, Chavez started calling some folks, you know. Um, yeah, he well, he's probably scared too. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and. Just a little bit more about the terrain. The FBI agent that was there a couple hours later said that there were four irregularly shaped smoldering areas. And this this Captain Martin Vigil from the state police in that New Mexican article I read said that the ground was still smoldering 20 hours after the sighting. And this will come up later because there was another sighting that I'm going to talk about that basically the same thing and there's also apparently yeah. some fused sand like it had, yeah, it was like glassy like a, yeah exactly so something emitting some fucking massive Hot. yeah it's like a jet engine or some shit it's crazy sounds like some blue orange flame uh, action uh, yeah with uh uh what was it brilliant luminant or brilliant, brilliant. hue or some shit the most brilliant Gorgeous. Um, yeah. But Chavez, being a good policeman and not trying to, you know, step on his buddy's toes a little bit, but he had to do his due diligence, and he checked Zamora's car for for any gear, just just to prove that, just or just to rule out that Zamora did it himself, and it, right. he was perpetuating some sort of hoax or bullshit. Because, you know, yeah. it was just too weird of a story. You got to check every angle. And he just, I'm sure he asked, he, I didn't, but he, he checked the car, didn't find anything. And, uh, yeah. And another interesting thing that is, is uh, Chavez said he didn't have any trouble making it up that first grade that Lonnie oh. <laughs> took three attempts to make. Well, maybe Lonnie kind of, you know, created a path. Yeah, well, I was thinking that too. Or maybe he's just a shitty, he's not as good of a driver. Yeah, like obviously Lonnie is looking up to Chavez. I, so we know Chavez is the alpha male in this it's, situation. It seems, it seems that way. And he's taking yeah. care of his buddy. He's got a, he's, he's looking out for him here. And yeah, he's got the adrenaline pumping. And he also, to his dying day, uh, just 
raved about Lonnie Zamora's character. So he believed him. He believed every word he said. He, he believed he saw something. He doesn't. He didn't think he made anything up, and he didn't think he uh, would fake it, which is pretty ridiculous to me. But you know, you gotta. You, as a policeman, I see you gotta prove. Uh, you gotta disprove some shit first here. Yeah, because a lot of people are gonna try to say, you know, maybe he's making this up. Yeah. Um, you got the Air Force coming. Yeah, you got all these people coming to sniff around, and he's the first one on the scene. He's got to be sharp here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he uh. He didn't really. Chavez himself didn't really think that much about UFOs. So I feel like this is. His, it's it, both of these guys. Obviously, it's their first encounter with something like this, and they're a bit baffled. But I think when it's all said and done, they came away thinking the shit was real, you know, because of who saw it. Yeah. The, uh, Zamora's a stand-up guy, wouldn't lie, and that's it. And let's yeah, try. they were almost sort of ashamed. They were almost. Um afraid to discuss it because of the sort of implications it would have on right. their character and their professionalism. So yeah, and it seems legit to me. But what you said earlier about Chavez kind of being the alpha, uh, apparently he's the one that made Zamora report it because he didn't want to, he didn't want to uh, officially report it because he didn't want to deal with it. And he was, you know, a bit nervous about it, obviously, but Chavez was like, no, yeah. you gotta do the right thing. It's your job, yeah. basically. So yeah, man, Chavez seems to take the reins here because he called he called Captain Richard T. Holder, uh, like a holder, like he's holding things in his hands. Yep, that's he's his name. The holder man. But I didn't. I seriously just made this connection. His name is fucking Dick Holder. Yes. Richard T. Holder, Dick T. Holder. Oh my god, I just I just made that connection. Love this guy, Dick Holder. Um, he has a son, Dick Holder Jr. <laughs> no way. I, dude, he's, yeah, you can't let a name like that die. You gotta pass it on. I wonder what the T right? is. You gotta hold their own. Fucking Dick T. Holder. All right, so. Hey, what's the name of the guy I like again who might be big or small? Nep. Nep. There's Nep, there's James Lucky, there's Dick Holder. This is just too good. Man. Uh, so. So Richard Richard Holder of Stallion Sight at White Sands Missile Range. Um, oh yeah. This is not if to be. We all have never been to White Sands. Go. <laughs> this this is uh, okay, the beauty to behold. This is. It, it was a bit confusing because what I've learned through past research is, um, these sites, uh, Stallion Sight, which he is in charge of, charge of, is. Mm a part of the white sands missile range, but it it is not in white sands. It's not at the base. It's not the Alamogordo. No, this, this particular site is actually just outside of Socorro. It's like 12 minutes South, uh, in San, just outside of San Antonio, New Mexico. So White Sands, okay. White Sands Missile Range itself is two and a half hours south, but Stallion Site, okay. where Captain Richard T. Holder is based, is 
Okay. Like probably a half hour away. Dick Holder Stallion style. Yeah, Dick Dick Holder of Stallion Sight. Yeah. (laughs) Is based out of, uh, you know, basically San Antonio, New Mexico. Um, Okay. All right. I'm into it. So he's there within an hour and a half with an FBI man that also Chavez called and they're sniffing around taking measurements and the FBI guy, I don't know if I ever really got his name, but he surrounded one of the indentations that they found in the ground, um, with rocks. So it wouldn't be disturbed. And there's actually photos of it that are pretty cool. It's like a ring of rocks with an indentation in it. And, uh, those indentations came from what Zamora saw and described as four legs slanting downward, down and out from the body of the craft. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's scorched earth and there's indentations from four legs. Landing gear, basically. Um yeah. So there's a bunch... It makes sense. A bunch of people are, within a couple of days, are in and out of here taking all sorts of measurements. And I read so many numbers about measurements that I'm not even going to try to say what is definitive, but I'm going to read what I read from, I think the APRO bulletin, because for some reason I like Jim and Coral Lorenzen's descriptions the best. The 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 L's. Yeah. That's the L's we speak of Jim and Coral Lorenzen from the APRO bulletin. Um, they say there were four, eight by 12 inch wedge shaped depressions three to four inches deep arranged in an uneven rectangle, which I believe to be like the, the legs were kind of self leveling because the craft seemed level, but on unlevel terrain. So maybe the legs were offset a little bit to level the craft out. That's my own personal speculation. (laughs) Okay. But, uh, I, I, I I can go with that. Uh, so there the, the L's continue. There were also four circular dip- depressions about four and a half inches in diameter and approximately three inches deep, not far from one point of the large indentations. And these indentations were fresh because the soil was moist. Um, now, these these circular depressions are going to come up a lot because people think it's from a ladder to oh. c- climb in and out of the craft. So there are these... Uh, wedge-shaped depressions that are probably from the landing gear legs or the the feet of the fucking craft. And then there's these circular depressions which are possibly from the landing or uh, the ladder, they believe. Yeah. Um, Okay. So there's this fresh soil and the word moist comes up a lot um, because they... The moist... The subsoil was kicked up. So, so it was like deep, yeah. Yeah, so... There were chains of water down there. Yeah, and many, many people say that is what they saw. And uh, J. Allen Hynek, the famous uh, researcher here, was there for Project Blue Book for the Air Force. And he said, quote, I have the word of nine witnesses who saw the marks within hours of the incident who tell me the center of the marks were moist as though the topsoil had been freshly pushed aside. And, um, yeah, an FBI investigator agrees with that and also said that there were three circular marks that were small, four inches in diameter. Yeah, same shit. Like, all these people are saying the same thing. Yeah. 
Um, so, there, yeah, like I said, all these people are there now. Like, there's a bunch of people there within a couple hours. Like, Richard Holder, an FBI guy, the cops. There's there's newspaper people, uh, newspaper folks that already heard on the radio scanner what had happened. You know, right. so all these official military people and local people are there within hours, but within days, there's you know, the the L's, the you know, the the Loren, the Lorenzans are there, the J. Allen Hynix of the world for fucking Project Blue Book, people from NICAP are there. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge. And Zamora gave a radio interview um, with this dude Walter Schrode of KSRC in Socorro on the 28th, which is four days after. And he said that there were droves of people that showed up at the station just to get a glimpse of Zamora and greet him with their car horns. Like, like just say, hey, man, you're a fucking celebrity. It's so crazy. We need it. We're going to put you on the Wikipedia. This guy deserves, he deserves to be on the Wikipedia page. He was, um... By the time this show airs, we're going to have him on there. Yeah. Well, you got about 36 hours before that happens, so work fast, people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd imagine that made Zamora uncomfortable, because he didn't want that attention, I'm sure, for that True. reason. You know what I mean? And it's a little embarrassing for him. Yeah. And he's got his superiors, really, breathing down his neck, saying, don't, don't talk about some of the details. So, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, the, the 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 people trying to investigate what happened, and also the Air Force, who notoriously at this time is just not really interested and wants nothing to do with it, and um, they 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 kind of have a hoax initiative. They try to push yeah. anything but what the, might actually be the truth. So I'm sure they're filling his head with all sorts of things. Um. But yeah, I mean that's that that's the incident in a nutshell in the beginning of what happened with the investigation. There's like a fervor around this, you know, that it happened on a Friday and by Sunday there's a shit ton of people there just by Saturday by the end of that weekend there's just a bunch of people, a bunch of reports, people are going nuts. Um yeah. And there were a bunch of other sightings to corroborate this whole fucking story. That happened before it even went public. So that lends to the validity of the story, you know. Um, So a a, a few of these are these people, tourists, rolling through the area. Paul Kyes and Larry Kratzer were coming uh, into Socorro from the southwest, uh, about less than a mile from where the craft landed and where Zamora saw it and they saw a flame and dust being kicked up. So they either saw the landing or the takeoff. They saw one or the, one or the other. Um, so that happened. And then witnesses called an Albuquerque TV station around 5.30 p.m. to report an oval object at low altitude traveling slowly towards Socorro so south. Oh man! And it's meant, yeah. yeah, and that that fact that Albuquerque those Albuquerque sightings, that guy Walter Schrode in that radio interview with Lonnie Zamora, meant he mentioned that to Lonnie. He's like, "Did you hear anything about the Albuquerque sighting before you saw it?" And he, Lonnie oh. said he hadn't heard anything about that. 
So the timelines. That's been some like validation for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, also, Socorro policeman Bill Pyland, who I'm sure is a good friend of Zamora. Um, I I read about this on that Monday issue on the April 27th from the New Mexican. He got a couple stories from that weekend and, and especially because there was a hotbed of activity after Zamora's um, initial sighting on Friday. So a girl reported seeing fire a fire on the hills south of Socorro on Sunday, the 26th. And the police went and searched it. They didn't find anything, but she reported seeing something. Uh, then this guy George Metropolis with an Metropolis with an I, like two no, eyes. That's not even a name. Uh, maybe I typed that it wrong. That is not. Maybe dude, these names are too good. I'm fucking telling you, George Metropolis. I want to hear some more of those Richard Holder names. Dude, well, Richard Holder's not done. We're not done with that guy. Okay, good, 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 good. good. <laughs> But uh, George Metropolis, Metropolis, if uh, that is his real name, name, uh, from Albuquerque, reported while driving north from El Paso on Sunday, the 26th, he saw a, quote, silver-looking object go up over a mountain and down out of sight. And he says it looked like an upside-down bathtub about 30 feet in diameter and had no lights. So... Again, two days later, sighting. Uh, there was a report on the Saturday, not from this officer Piland, but it was also it, this sighting was reported in that same New Mexican issue, New Mexican issue on uh, Monday, the twenty seventh, that two men in the Socorro area uh, reported that a flying object, definitely not an airplane, had swooped down near their car, then veered away. So that weekend, there's just, like, reports coming in. Yeah, all over the the area of just shit being seen. Um, But it doesn't end there. This guy, Ray Stanford, who wrote a book. He wrote a whole book on this incident called called Socorro Saucer, The Closest Encounter of Them All. And uh, I, I shit you not... There's one copy on Amazon for $896.09. Holy shit. Yeah. Plus wow, $3.83. $0.03 shipping. Yeah. All, every other copy of the book is 25 to $30. But this one copy, which is, quote, mass market paperback. I don't even know what that fucking means. $896.09. Well, we got to look into that. Is that on the Wikipedia? No, it should be. Jesus Christ. But, it should be. <laughs> but this this guy, Ray Stanford, who, yeah, he wrote a whole fucking book on this incident. Um, he, he says that there were a lot of aural witnesses. A lot of people heard the roar. Quote, hundreds of persons. Right. There's a lot of information about the... Just the yeah, hundreds, quote, hundreds of persons on the south side of town had heard it. And he said he personally spoke to two women who heard the roar just before 6 p.m., saying two distinct roars happened about a minute apart. And he also reported that three people called the police immediately after the incident. And before it went public, 
to report a bright flame. So all these people before Zamori and before anyone even knew about it publicly corroborating yeah. the story. Yeah, there's a shit there's a whole bunch of shit. But the biggest uh sighting outside of uh Zamora was the one that was in Unsolved Mysteries, which is a, a story told by a man. This is another great fucking name. This is the before I realized okay. Richard Holder was Dick Holder, this is the best right. this is a a great name. A oh man, God, what what is it gonna be? A man named Opal Grinder. Opal Grinder. Yeah, when I heard Opal Grinder, I was like, that is a great name. This woman must be amazing. Then then it turned out to be a man named Opal <laughs> and his last name is fucking Grinder. It is Amazing. You know, do you think it could be related back to, you know, when people's names had to do with their professions? Like maybe way back in the day, Opal Grinder Sr. was just out there grinding Opal. Could be, but I don't know if he's a junior. I don't know. I don't know. Well, all I know is I've heard if Opal is not your actual birthstone, it is an unlucky gem to possess. No shit. So let that be a warning to all of your listeners. <laughs> the only Opal you need <laughs> in your life is this story by Opal Grinder. Man, what if that's your name? Fucking A. It's such Hope a good he's name. okay. Um, I don't know if he's still alive anymore, but yeah, this is this is the story that yeah, he's probably passed. That's okay. That's okay. Opal Grinder, great name. This I'm is into it. this is the story that they reenacted on the Unsolved Mysteries episode. So Opal, I recall it. Opal is a uh, a Philly a filling station, as they were called back then. Attendant, and uh, he heard about the Zamora sighting. Um. Two days after. So he didn't even hear about it until Sunday. Which is kind of crazy, considering he works at a gas station in Socorro. And, uh, yeah, and getting and talking to all kinds of folks. Yeah, but he claims he didn't hear about it until two days after. And then when he heard about it, he recalled uh, an incident he had on Friday, on the 24th, on the day that the sighting happened. At the gas station, he says a large car of five tourists. There's a lot of tourists in this story, too, that saw some shit. Uh, I think it must be in line with, it must be on a major highway. Because I think people were coming from Tucson. It was. It was just Paso. off. It was just. So, yeah, it must be a thoroughfare. The, the, the sighting happened literally just off of, um, I want to say, I should have wrote it down, 85, I think. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's a big. Yeah, like that's a popular freeway. It it, it it happened very close to a, a major highway. Um, okay. So it all makes sense. But uh, yeah, the, this car of five people from Colorado rolled into Opal Grinders Station just before six p.m. on the twenty fourth, and the driver popped out and he said. Quote, and this is from the APRO Bulletin. This is from uh, J- Jim and Coral Lorenzen. They said, quote, or he, the driver said, quote, aircraft sure fly low around here. And then Grinder asked, how's that? 
and the driver said, a funny looking thing almost took me off the road south of Socorro. And uh, in Unsolved Mysteries, he the quote is that it, it almost took my roof off. <laughs> so, so it it was that low flying, yeah, egg shaped thing. Yeah, and so yeah, a low flying craft that other people also saw. Um, you know, the two people in the area that said that it, uh, a craft had swooped down near their car, you know, on Saturday, like the next day. So, yeah, there's there's low-flying fucking egg-shaped craft just wreaking all sorts of havoc in the desert over here. But um, to continue with this Opal Grinder story, uh, after he says that it almost took him off the road, Grinder suggested that it may be a helicopter... And the driver replied, if it was, it was the damnedest looking helicopter he'd ever seen. Damnedest. <laughs> damnedest. And Man, I love that 1960s talk. I know. And, uh, well, you know, if you're from where I'm from, people still talk like that. I still talk like that a little bit. You're from Virginia. I'm from Indiana originally. Oh, so, so people yeah, definitely still, still talk like that. Tiny oh, yeah. Chatter. Absolutely. It's the damnedest. Old uh, Eggland's best thing I ever seen. I just keep thinking about Eggland's best. You familiar with this brand? Yes, of eggs? I am. It has a it has a red stamp on it. Yes, so I think that's where they got their. Uh, I think that's where they got it from. Is the the Moran's incident? The the red seal, the stamp, the insignia. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good. Yeah, they do stamp their eggs with a red stamp. I always thought that was interesting. And those are good eggs. Yeah, they're good say, eggs. Every time I have them, I enjoy it. They well, you know, are the best. You know it's quality if it's hand-stamped. Um, right? That's right. That is a good point. And, yeah, th- this craft is a fucking egg with a red stamp on it, basically. that's a, I never really oh, made okay. that connection. Good, that's great. Cause I don't New think, conspiracy theory. Oh, fuck. We got to look into Eglin's best now. See what their whole yep. deal is. Next episode. <laughs> Next episode. Uh, yeah, so this damnedest looking helicopter he'd ever seen, uh, this guy, he uh, apparently, th- this same guy said that he saw a second police car headed down uh, the, the, toward the area with its lights on and going fast. Or I guess not, a, he didn't say a second police car. Okay, so we, Zamora. Yeah, we car. we know it's a second police car. He saw a police car headed headed toward the same area with its lights on and going fast, oh. fast. So I'm thinking that's Chavez, Chavez. or it could yeah. be the the deputies. But I'm guessing he saw Chavez uh, blasting towards the scene to meet his old pal. Right. So Lonnie. they thought, okay, someone's already on the case. Yeah, like we see it, but they see it. Yeah. We're gonna get some info. Yeah, he just popped out of the car and saw Opal. Was like, "Man, your your fucking town's weird, man. Let me tell you, let me tell you about your your." Like, <laughs> I know my name's Opal Grinder. <laughs> Shit's weird. Welcome. Uh, so welcome to Socorro. That, we have a church. A church. That's it. A church, a post office, a gas station, a store. A street. Yeah, one street. 
and Lonnie Zamora saw a UFO right off of it. Welcome to Socorro. Don't forget the dynamite shack. Yeah, the di- <laughs> check the dynamite shack on your way out. <laughs> if you can get through all the fucking red tape that's there now, but um, man, you know what? Follow up episode again. I'd like to check out that dynamite shack. Look into it. It may still be there. It it's, may still be there. It's not too terribly far from where you are. Yeah. It, it might be worth a look. Uh, I'd I'll go like, down there. I'd like Let's to know. Let's wait till it cools off a bit, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. go down there in August, for, you, for your own sake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, and definitely follow up. Follow up episode. Book it right now. All right. Uh, I'll let you know. Um, so yeah, let's, let's say this, uh, they didn't, they, they never got a follow-up, speaking of that, with this driver, because he was just passing through, he paid cash, yeah. so Grinder didn't get a name, but I don't know if you recall from the Unsolved Mysteries episode, Opal's son, Jimmy, old Jimmy, or Lil Jimmy Grinder. Little Jimmy Grinder. Oh my gosh, he's not. He sounds like a rapper. He was 13 at the time and working at the gas station, of course. Uh, he was in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries. He gave an interview and he recalls huh. the fucking. He recalls that incident where this guy told his father that he saw a low flying craft. I do remember those people coming out of their car talking, yeah. talking to Grinder. Yeah. I have to revisit this episode. Yeah, and Jimmy little Jimmy Grinder believes Zamora to this day. He believes that it's a true story. Damn. I know. It's fucking crazy, man. It's it's pretty cool that all these people saw the same shit and kind of uh yeah, kind of um help each other not sound crazy without knowing each other, you know. Totally, I, and it, especially at that time, yeah. that's important. That's yeah. an important detail because I think now people are much more um, open and aware about these kinds of things. And uh, honestly, unsolved mysteries, yeah, real barrier breaker right there. I know. But in the sixties, they didn't have that kind of stuff, so it is kind of no. It's kind of sweet how everyone is vouching for each other's character yeah i mean all they had was you know twilight zone they had things that were this shit was scary and fictional you know and in our time it's scary and plausible yeah i mean these guys are setting the groundwork for us to be more curious and be a little maybe less timid about uh, researching it and coming out about it or coming out with our experiences because um, just with anything, you know, people got to, they, they really got to be groundbreaking and strong and pioneers. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like I know you're going to tear me down for saying this, but I have to say it because it's true. And well, you paved the way for other people who saw things to say to say something you know what i mean it's just it's conviction yeah Yeah, it's like this is the truth this is what i saw this is what happened yeah and in a way there's a responsibility to report it yeah and that's what zamora did and chavez made him officially report it but he reluctantly did and he he never regretted reporting it 
he but he also didn't enjoy the fanfare that came with it but he you know he he was just that's my job i have to report the truth and he did and this is what the truth is you know um so kudos thank you lonnie zamora for fucking being a total badass and saying your piece yeah (laughs) but uh there's there was another badass um a few days later honestly in la madera have you ever been to la madera i have isn't that north Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's, it's like on the high road to Taos, I think. Yeah, it's it's three hours north of Socorro. It's north of Albuquerque. Um, okay. Yeah. I know I've been there. I gotta I gotta place it, but yeah. Okay, it, I don't know what happened there. There is a, a sighting on Sunday, April twenty sixth. Like I said, there was a bunch of different sightings. Just a few days later. Yeah, there's a bunch of like I already went over. There's a bunch of sightings Sunday. There's a bunch of sightings that Saturday. It's 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 crazy what's going on in this in this area. Yeah. This weekend, so this one actually there's detail the same thing. Um, there was an oval object, burned soil, blue flame, four landing marks, circular marks of the same diameter, all found. You know. Uh, but believe it or not, a man from Santa Fe is the guy who witnessed it. Uh, a guy named Orlando Gallegos who was 35 at the time, and go look this address up tomorrow if you feel like it. He lived at the time at 515 Silver Street. Silver? Silver in Silver. okay. Yeah. Five. I'm like, Dilver? Dilver. That's someone's last name. 5-1-5 Silver Street in Santa Fe, New Mexico is where Orlando Gallegos... The first man with a right. almost no, well, not the first, but he's got that's a pretty normal name. <laughs> Gallegos. Just Orlando. I get my interns on this. Yeah, five fifteen Silver Street. Yep, yeah, get them out there. Let me know. Right. Let me know what parking lot it is now, or weird fucking. Okay. It's a Baskin Robbins. It's a Baskin Robbins something. The one. It is the Baskin Robbins. The... <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah, so he he actually him and his family went to La Madera on Sunday to visit his father. So they showed up and they were hanging out at his father's house and he went outside to chase away some horses, which I don't understand unless they're wild horses. <laughs> or or are they just like fucking with, or are they just Stop like it. fucking with their horses that they own? I don't know. But the the article in, I read this in the 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 New Mexican from the the Monday the twenty seventh the following Monday, um, and he went out to chase some horses, and uh, okay. chase away yeah. some horses, and he saw an object sitting on the ground in a gravel area about two hundred feet away, and he was too afraid to get close, but he saw that there was a ring of blue flame erupting from numerous jets around the bottom of the craft. And there was no noise, and the flames turned. There was no what? There was Sorry. no no noise. It wasn't making any noise. Oh, okay, interesting. And the flames turned off while he was watching. So he saw a flame. There was no noise, and then the flame extinguished, like it had just fucking landed or something. And uh, he didn't see anyone or anything moving around the craft. 
and he just went back to the house and he told his family what he saw, but no one else went outside and his wife described him as quote, badly shaken. But, uh, yeah, no one else in the family went out, but then he went back out twice that night to look at it. And he gave almost the same fucking description as Lonnie did. He said it was bright metal without windows and he said it was as long as a telling telephone pole and about 14 feet in circumference and he said it was egg-shaped and resembled a large butane tank so about 14 feet high and or no, sorry as tall as a telephone pole and 14 feet round i guess so why yeah um yeah fucking egg-shaped craft yeah so Sun. So the next morning, the object was gone, but the ground was still smoldering. The same shit that happened to Zamora. It's like it smoldered for twenty fucking hours. Yeah. So on their way back to Santa Fe that day, he stopped off in Española and told Officer Nick Naranjo. It's with a J. N A R. Naranjo. Yeah, Naranjo. Uh, what he saw because he's quote. Just had to tell somebody. So they get a bunch of people involved. Uh, State Officer Marvin Romero and Officer David Kingsbury questioned Gallegos extensively. And then Officer Albert Vega went to the scene and verified the evidence that he was talking about. And then Captain Martin Vigil and the aforementioned David Kingsbury went to the scene and said, quote, the ground was still smoldering and was charred over a large area. And then Vigil said that paw prints were found, paw prints again, which is funny. Okay. Yeah, like a mountain lion. Yeah. Uh, oh, and depre- and, like and quote, depressions similar to those found at Socorro, uh, you know. And, yeah, a team from Kirtland Air Force Base and the same team that was investigating Socorro from Washington, D.C. also went to La Madera because, you know, this 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 report came in right after Socorro. So these teams... That's pretty serious. Yeah, Yeah. the same fucking thing. You got these crafts, apparently, with mountain lions just walking around (laughs) the, the area. But... Yeah, so... Do you think it could be, like, foot impressions of the little men? I mean, yeah. Uh, they they just said that the prints resembled... Well, all, all this article said is that they were paw prints. So it's like a few toes. Yeah, it's so weird, man. And, like, what is it, like a... Huh. Fucking centaur or something, like, but with... Big cat feet and a human upper torso. I don't even know what could what could possibly be going on to be leaving paw prints, but human-looking folks are you know. It's them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, more likely, it's seriously. There was some creatures sniffing around after. That would be the most. That would be. <laughs> that make the most sense. Can't get too totally. crazy around here. Uh, I've never seen alien feet, to be honest with you. I, I and mean, I know of. They could have nice, soft pads. We don't know. We I mean, don't do know. we? 
have we seen? I'm sure there's, you know, some anatomy of the alien foot that a lot of your listeners know about. Maybe they, maybe they have some information we don't have yet. I would love to the cat-like feet. I would love. I would love. I mean, I did an episode about the hairy dwarves of Venezuela that can that can jump like big cats. They can jump like fucking mad. They can just leap from one side of a fucking house to another and doesn't matter. They can jump six oh. feet up in the air just and they're hairy. I love and entities. They, entity stories. This could be the hairy dwarves in New Mexico. Um there's a lot of weird shit that goes on here. There is. Um, you know, when I was there, I didn't experience—I didn't experience anything weird when I was living out there. But I didn't really put myself in a situation to experience much. I was just living on campus, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much to see during the daytime hours. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't spend enough time outdoors at night when I think you might see more you know the stars when I do go out are so beautiful and like my boyfriend sees things in the evening and the stars moving but I haven't personally seen major alien type phenomena but I'm always seeing things kind of move like you know like stars moving in strange directions or like oh here are like five what I think might be planes in a row and then they're suddenly changing course. Interesting. But I don't really question it. I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, it's out there. Yeah, it, it could be it's just, ah, that's New Mexico. That's the New Mexican skies. Yeah. Because Big of... sky country, Roswell, too. You know, know, it's just kind and of, kind of part of the, this, the vibe here. Yeah, this incident as well. <laughs> kind of um, might have set a new standard for, oh, yeah, it's just weird out there. I don't know. Yes. Um, I don't even question that. Yeah. <laughs> you just live in a place. But, uh, dude, I mean, there's the labs, Las Cruces Labs. There's the, the missile range. Oh. There's Holloman Air Force Base. There's all sorts of possible... Uh, there, there's there's a high probability of um, testing some sort of new aircraft or who knows what. It, Atomic. It, yeah, it just stuff. yeah, exactly. I mean, bombs have been just detonated out there. There's just been all sorts of crazy shit that's happened in New Mexico that lends itself to throwing your hands up in the air and saying, "Ah, eh, that's just New Mexico." It's just totally fucking weird here, and, you man. Know, it, it should also be mentioned there's so much uh, there's so much active still Native American presence where I think there's some real ancient technology. Not to get all ancient aliens on you. Oh yeah, no, go for I it. I think there is some real supernatural uh, phenomenon that's been happening here for eons. I believe it. I really do. Yeah, I mean, New Mexico is... So anyway, back to Dick Holder. <laughs> Let's bring it on back to Dick Holder. Dick Holder and my buddy Ren. I want to call him Ren. His name's Nep. Nep. Little, okay. little Nep. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. Let's swing back here. Um, yeah, so we were in La Madera where where we last left off, and um, that's it. You know, same exact sighting in the same area, same vicinity. You know, a few, few days later, few couple days later, couple hours up the road, and also uh, an eighteen year old girl from Santa Fe on this the the night after. Uh, Orlando Gallegos's sighting saw, um, or sorry, no, on the same night, uh, about three hours before Orlando saw what he saw, she saw an egg shaped object that had a trail of light behind it, you know, like heading towards that direction. It's the same shit. It's just another person saw something around the same time Similar. yeah it's just crazy and I mean, this description oh man it's just unreal and i'm not even going to get into it but with the apro bulletins and jim and coral lorenzen they have they go through a a, a list of other sightings of, of air force sightings and a little bit of some air force uh kind of like uh manipulation because apparently the air force was trying to spread the word that it was like a military craft and it was a t- it was right. a it was like a, t- a testing yeah craft even though Dick Holder explicitly mm. said that it wasn't uh like Zamora was getting upset with the air force because they were pushing that agenda that it was like a mili- you know it was either a hoax or like a military fucking craft, and they were trying to spread the right. word in the community that like, it's not a UFO, basically anything but a UFO, anything but a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> Which was why don't they want the people to know about it? You think it maybe it's because it would cause, especially at that time, some panic, panic, or something. Too much heat on they, them. They can't disclose. Too much heat on them to. Uh, to to figure things out like they're they're the ones responsible you know they got a like project blue book was apparently just a long running joke and no one respected it because they didn't do actual research anymore and around this time of the zamora incident they didn't really put much effort into it it seems they just their agenda is deflect and it's not real, uh, or, you know, it's, it's not, it, it's either, it's either of this world or it's a fucking hoax. Cause we're not going to, we're not going to waste our time with this shit. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we're going to spend our money on fucking taking over the world and building bombs, I guess. I don't really know, but they, yeah. they, they didn't really care too much to investigate and then they would just do these half-assed investigations and this this was another one of them where they just kind of perpetuated this lie you know that i mean there were rumors going around that at holloman air force base there was a ufo in the hangar that they had or or like a like a a craft in the like a weird craft in one of a one of their hangars that yeah, didn't they even they supposedly even had a body? Oh man, I don't even know. 
But I don't know. I don't really trust anything with the name Blue Book. No, I just don't. You shouldn't. It sounds like that whole program. Like, uh, that whole program is bullshit here. Is just all nonsense. Um, but yeah, it's stupid. But yeah, so the 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 L's, the Lorenzans were all about. They fucking hate the government and the Air Force. <laughs> Uh, every every chance they, they sure do. Every oh my goodness, I love reading their their info. Every chance they get, they're just bashing their their explanations. Character assassinations. Yeah, these idiots that are put in charge. You know, it is so like like an example of failing up that they are they're really um, digging into and they're seeing. Like there was a little snippet where. Mr. Is it Lorenzen? Yeah, Jim Lorenzen. Usually last name. Yeah, he was talking with some Air Force asshole man who was talking shit about his wife. Oh yeah, yeah. But the asshole man didn't know that it was Mr. Lorenzen's wife. He yeah. was calling her nut. Yep. And such and such, and he yep. was like, "Man, this man's character is very poor. You talk about a stranger." Yeah. In that way, to a stranger. Um, but it's true. It's like in these situations, a lot of times people do put a buffoon in charge of things to kind of just squash and yeah. frustrate everyone's efforts to, to find truth. Exactly. And yeah. I think we are just living that proof right now in the United States. Well, <clears throat> I, it's just, it is a thing. I honestly okay. have drawn parallels from their attempts to to squash the truth about these UFOs to current day politics in, in America yeah. and just deflecting and denying what it seems to be obvious or, you know, just denying someone's genuine experience as just bullshit. It's like you can't really do that. Yeah. You got to listen to people. And they sent, they basically send in goons, like that guy who was making fun of Coral Lorenzen in front of Jim Lorenzen because he didn't know who they were. And he's just, yeah, he's the, it's just a big distraction. Yeah, he, and a he's a big kind of like, oh, wow, let's focus on this asshole. It's ridiculous. Instead of what we're here for. He's supposed to be there in an official capacity doing a real research, but he's just there laughing at everybody from the jump. And that's the people that they had to deal with constantly. They're they're actually trying to find answers, and then they got this fucking meathead showing up, just making fun of everybody and the whole situation. And that was their approach, you know. And, and it still does exist. It still exists. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. Fuck the Air Force. Just, <laughs> just. <laughs> Yeah, fuck you, yo, fuck, Air Force fuck you, fuck you, nineteen sixty four United you. States Air Force. Um, Dick Holder, I love you. I don't know what I don't know where you stand, man. Except, except Dick you, Holder. Dick Holder Junior. Dick Holder, you're cool. And, and, and Nep. <laughs> Nep and Dick Holder are cool, man. And fucking Opal Grinder. Love you, bro. Man, it's like if you if you just had like this fucking amazing band and you opened up the fucking and, and you saw the the members of the band and their names were 
Dick Holder, Nep, and Opal Grinder, you're going to think this band fucking rules before you even listen to them. You know? That is some hardcore shit. Pro- produced by Jim Lucky. Just so and good. And like a whine, like a, um, the sound of the spaceship. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Oh, man. Lonnie! Lonnie! Wani, Wikipedia. Um, seriously, get them on there. Get them on your official website, Socorro. Get them as a... Oh, man, you should have... What else you guys got going on? You got the Good Shepherd Church. You got Park Street. Well, actually, I'll get into that a little bit later. They do honor them a little bit. I don't want to talk too much shit. Okay, good. But... Okay. Uh, let's, let's, get, sure. let's get back to... the. The the fervor around this the these sightings and all the shit that's going on here in New Mexico at the time, there is this hilarious case that the Lorenzans, the L's, report um about a family. It's called the Stull case. Their name is Stull S T U L L. Which is a funny oh. name as well, but uh, They're so not around here. no, uh, but apparently on April twenty eighth, four days after Zamora's incident, a ten year old girl Sharon Stull received facial burns after watching an egg shaped UFO from a school playground in Albuquerque. So, oh, God. The, uh, the I think they reached out to the Lorenzans and they tried to call them back, but the number had been changed and was unlisted. So they sent a wire to them asking for an appointment during the upcoming weekend. So, um, okay. during a series of calls that Mrs. Stull, the, 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 uh, matriarch of the family here, uh, they, they talked to her a few times. She called the Lorenzans and revealed that one, Sharon, the daughter, the girl that had experienced this thing, was showing adolescent development at an accelerated rate. Oh, damn. How old was this girl? Ten. I don't know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it sounds logical, but right. okay. Yeah. Okay. She, also, she was That's growing normal. in weight and height, which seems normal for a ten-year-old girl. And then uh, the, her third bullet point here was her tear ducts didn't function proper, properly and she had to be supplied with, quote, artificial tears, which is a brand name, and it's a saline solution. And yeah. among other things uh, she had to be supplied with because of her injuries. So they couldn't get a hold of their, quote, family doctor, who Mrs. Stull said they had a family doctor. So the Lorenzans went, yeah. to, went to Albuquerque because they were already in Socorro, and they actually went to their house and hung out with this lady and talked to her about her daughter's sighting. So... I love it. Oh, man, this, it, it gets good. So the Lorenzans determined that Sharon, the little girl, showed no signs of accelerated growth of matur- or maturation, but... And this is where they're writing. I love their writing. It's so petty and silly, but... She had a, a few, quote, eruptions on her face, which presented the appearance of adolescent pimples. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and her eyes looked irritated. So, kind of sounds like a pimple-faced, possibly stoned 10-year-old girl. Preteen, yeah. <laughs> but she had the burnt, she, you know, that does sound like something that could happen if you had some irritation. Yeah. Due to some exposure. Yes, and apparently she actually does have some exposure, but... Um, we don't really understand why, but uh, let's continue with this because they're, while they're in, while the Lorenzans, Jim and Coral, are both in the Stull household, Mrs. Stull kept calling TV and news offices just continually, and hmm. yeah, just you know, trying to reach. Oh, it's like a case of like trying to reach someone. Call? All right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, she didn't get a hold of anyone, and uh, she finally got the doctor on the phone. And then the story finally came out to the Lorenzans of what happened to Sharon on that day. She had her, her face burned up. So the story goes, her sister Robin was with her, as well as some friends at school, out in the playground and Sharon pointed out the object, but no one else seemed to care. So they didn't watch, but Sharon watched for about 10 minutes staring at the craft. Oh shit. Before she, Oh, that's going to mess up her tear duct. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, she stared at the thing for 10 minutes and then went back to class. And then that evening at home, she complained of eye pain. So she went being the good mother that Mrs. Stull is. She took her to the hospital and was treated for sunburn with ointment. And the burns were only on her face from her bangs to her chin. And there were no burns on her neck or hands, which were the only other exposed places on her body, uh, based on what she was wearing at the time. And uh, the doctor said that he would have expected eight hours of sun exposure to burn her that bad. And he couldn't support the accelerated growth theory. (laughs) So, she's actually burned, it sounds like. She actually seems like she's got a legit crazy burn on her fucking head and in her eyes. Yeah. Um, so... Well, I mean, if you're staring at a giant white aluminum thing... Right. You might get a little refraction. That's true. Is that the right word? I don't know if it is. Let's go with it. I love it. Okay, refraction. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the Lorenzans, the L's, talked to the police. They actually got, I think, a police officer on the phone and talked to them about the incident. And um, all the other kids who were reported to be there denied that it even happened, including her sister, Robin. Right? Oh, no, they just don't. Yeah. But this is when it gets weird. This is when it gets like really weird. Apparently Mrs. Stull called Lonnie Zamora at one point and asked him questions about his experience. So that's what I was originally thinking was like the mom wants some attention. Oh, She's giving, I can't remember the name of this thing, the phenomenon where, where moms make their kids sick. Oh, I, I couldn't tell you, but I know. Munchausen. It, Munchausen? I think it's Munchausen by proxy. That, 
I mean, anyway, I'm not going to say that's on. right, but it sounds right. Uh, I, it, it's one of those two things. But so, yeah. Well, what's the deal? Is the girl really ill or is the mom really concerned? Or well, what's happening? here, the, apparently Sharon actually does have the burns and the Lorenzans can say, yeah, she's got burns on her face and her eyes are irritated. And the mom's acting real weird, calling TV stations and radio stations, and she's trying to, like, basically monetize the situation. She's acting acting real weird, and she says that the Air Force told them to not talk too much about it. She's trying to say that, like... Sound like kind of like Zamora. Yeah, they're they're Sounds really there. There's interest in our case. There's there, there's some there's some legs under this. Like we we got some people talking to us. We got official people talking to us about Sharon's experience here. So you yeah. you you ought to be paying attention because Lonnie Zamora has been on TV and the radio, and obviously oh, this lady's this trying to get cool. some. Just wants a little fame. Yeah, man, and apparently Can during. Uh, yes, for, (laughs) for exploiting her poor 10 year old daughter. Yes. (laughs) But she's burning her daughter. uh, Possibly, possibly, possibly. I don't know. want to say she's like that crazy, but she could be. Um, but, but apparently during this whole interview process where the Lorenzans are in her house, witnessing her making all these phone calls and. Daughters are denying one daughter. One daughter saying something happened. The other daughter's denying shit. Apparently, the husband's just sitting there quietly, and the mom's doing all the talking. But she would say things like, uh, she would answer questions, and then she would look at her husband, and whose name was, was Max, and she would say, "Isn't that right, Max?" <laughs> and he, yes, dear, yes. And he would just nod, <laughs> I guess. So this lady's just totally, um. Yeah, I know this lady. I think I totally. She's my mom. Oh. I'm the burned baby. (laughs) Your inner Sharon Stull is coming out. I hope I hope your mom's not like Mrs. Stull because I'm about ready to say some shit that does not shed a. a... No, she totally is. Okay. (laughs) Oh man! All right. Well, here we go because. It's when, okay, it's okay, it's okay. Go ahead. I I put it out there. <laughs> when maybe you can reassess after you hear this, but when when the Lorenzans right, when the Lorenzans got back to Tucson, which is where they're from, uh, they found out that Mrs. Stull had called their home and asked their children for the name of some doctor in California who was interested in their case because no boundaries. Yeah, because, quote, your folks forgot to give it to us, she said. Uh, But she also called a TV station that had previously interviewed Zamora and was also producing a UFO series and said that the Lorenzans had promised the Stull family would be moved to L.A. at the station's expense and Sharon would be treated for her uh, for free by the doctor that she's trying to track down and that oh, she oh, herself God. would be given employment. <laughs> wow. So she called yeah, making, she, know, she just, she's buttering them up. Oh my God. So she claimed that the Lorenzans said all these things to her and that she's saying, yeah, uh, you guys need to be providing us with these things. Cause Jim and Coral said you would. 
So she's totally trying to parlay this possible real experience, which the Lorenzans do not count, don't do not rule out that something actually happened to poor little Sharon. They're just really disappointed in how her mother's handling and trying to handling the situation and trying to capitalize on it. She is capitalizing on it. Yeah. Oh, so she just went nuts trying to get full, like, either famous and rich off of it. Or, I mean, both. She's trying to get famous and rich and trying to get a bunch of shit out of it. She's trying well, to get a sure. job. Yeah, it was go hand in hand. So anyway, the, the, the Lorenzans were not impressed. And they reported that in the April Bulletin in full, their experience with Mrs. Stull. And uh, as far as oh, I know... I love them. They just really, they got good character assessment. Yeah, they're so fucking funny. I love how they just, they're so honest about what they think people's intentions are and why they react certain ways. It's amazing. I love reading the Apro Bulletins. They're spot on, I think. It seems that way, but, eh. Well, a little judgmental, but hey, what can you do? You get a spitball sometimes. You know. People got to take this shit seriously and, you know, they, when they, they, they can smell insincerity fucking six counties away. They, they know when you're not interested and you're judging them. And I love when they just call it out, you know? Same. I think they're intellectuals and they're really in it for the research. And then they come across some different characters who were just kind of in it for, the story or mm-hmm. the fame or lack thereof mm-hmm. wanting to kind of push things away. Right. <sighs> Man. Love the Lorenzans. God bless the Lorenzans. <laughs> Why aren't they on the Socorro Wikipedia is what I want to know. <laughs> They're probably hopefully on there. hopefully they're on the Tucson notable people uh, section. Um, but yeah, so you know that that was a little bit of goofiness involved with the Zamora incident because like it, it was a big deal and it was such a huge deal in the area that that sh- the Stull family incident happened as well. Like people were actually trying to capitalize off of its popularity it was they want to piggyback yeah. yeah so fucking crazy but yeah with all the other sightings the La Madera and all the other local Socorro sightings and the Albuquerque sightings I'm on board and uh yeah so officially the 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 investigation led um it's inconclusive I'll just say that right now officially and that's why, uh, like all these yeah. these these cases live on, is they don't fucking know. And what I love about this is th- there's two theories that kind of prevail, and that's Zamora saw an experimental vehicle being tested, and one of the most common thing is it was a lunar landing module. Because, like, the Apollo program was just starting in its stages of development, and it could have been something like that. So it's like... That's possible. Yeah, but it's just, like, the same thing. It's like, if it's coming officially from the people, from um, NASA or from the Air Force, 
I mean, they got busted and they're not saying anything, you know, they're trying not to let it be. And who are the little adults? Yeah, or, or it's actual. And the cougar prince. Or the cougar. Yeah. prince. Or it's actually a UFO. It, it's so funny. It's like, either way, the Air Force is trying to say it's a military object, but if it really was a military object, they won't say it's a military object and they'll, they'll deny it even happened. But if it was an actual UFO, they'll say, yeah, it was a military object. (laughs) Right. It's so weird. Who are holding all the cards? They're all that guy. They're all that buffoon man who made fun of Mrs. L. It's so crazy. They, they, because everyone's looking to them for the answer. Oh, these dudes. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Sorry. It's really, it's the, it's the 2020 patriarchy. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. I'm there with you. Sorry, man. (laughs) All the gentlemen out there. I just want to give praise to all the gentle men out there. God yeah. bless you. Yeah. There's a lot of buffoons out there representing. Yeah, and believe it or not, one of those gentle men is Dick Holder. And that's... Oh, and I'm not joking. Yeah. Because... That is a masculine, gentle shout-out. Because, check it out. Because the other theory of of what... Zamora saw is that it was a, a sur- surveyor lunar lander prototype. Like surveyor is like the name of the fucking vessel, um, which was being tested at Holloman Air Force Base, which is you know adjacent to White Sands Missile Range there. And there was there was a test of surveyor that day, but the test was scheduled to end six hours before Zamora's sighting. So there's this whole thing. They they thought they had this smoking gun. Like, yeah, Zamora saw the surveyor test. But the log numbers don't match up. And also, surveyor is was not a self-launching vehicle. And the tests clearly indicate that it involved lift by helicopter. So there would have been a fucking helicopter there, right? So... Yeah, so what Zamora saw did not involve a fucking helicopter and did not involve any of that shit. So if they did have a test of Surveyor that day, which apparently was six hours before Zamora saw anything. And military, they wouldn't be that loosey-goosey. Yeah, they're just out in the open. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so keep this in mind as well. Dick Holder... Richard T. Yeah. Holder. Senior. Senior. Because Zamora speculated that the object was from White Sands Missile Range or Holloman Air Force Base or something, too. But Holder put the... Yeah. Co- he was like, no. Because Holder is the man in charge of Stallion Sight at White Sands. He's the guy who would fucking know if there was a military craft doing a test or anything... If anyone's gonna know, it's this guy, and he he right. he he's, wasn't he wasn't a buffoon. No, he was like he was a legit, real deal scientist. Yeah, yeah. and he claimed he he said, and I quote, 
No object that would compare to the object described by Zamora. Um, there was no known firing mission in progress at the time of the occurrence that would produce the conditions reported. Like, yeah, that's an intelligent. That's a scientist talking. Yeah, and the only and he he's actually in the unsolved mysteries uh, episode as well. Oh, I and, gotta go back to <laughs> see Mr. Holder. But he said he says he has his his character witness for Zamora is gleaming. He's just like he's a stand up, honest man. I believe he saw what he saw, and my people had nothing to do with it. Um, but there is the speculation that it's so fucking classified that even Dick Holder doesn't know about it. But that's, yeah, that's a bit, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That seems to kind of be part and parcel of a lot of these kinds of stories that a lot of times things, the intelligence is just way over that. Ahead of even there's levels. People, there's definitely levels. Beat into folks with military. Um, you know, they they beat in the obedience and the sort of teamwork and trust and mm-hmm. dependability. That it is really hard to say who's holding the cards. Yeah, it, it is crazy within the Air Force. There, there seems to be mystery because. If the military is saying it is a military craft, they've never found it. And if they if they do have shit in a hangar somewhere in Holloman Air Force Base, like that, a secret craft, no one knows about it. Or they could be just spreading yeah, a lie. Have clearance for that. Yeah, it's know? just who fucking knows what they're up to. But that's that's the vortex that you fall into with these things. Is you you'll never find the truth because you could just make it as crazy as you want and it's all possible. That's the I think that's the big point. Yeah, it's is, it's all if space is infinite. <laughs> it's all possible. It's all possible. Right? We don't know. But yeah, you know, the the final word on the Zamora incident is there's there's no answer. Um there's and no that's but that's an, there's no one's going to actually come out and and verify it from a government agency. Obviously, there was no answer because it was on Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Exactly. Robert Stack? Yes. Robert Robert Stack. I see you. He is putting his arms around all of us right now. He's the best. Talk about a great name. Robert Stack. Robert Stack and Dick Holder. Stack. Man, what a man. I want to encourage everyone to watch this Unsolved Mysteries because uh, what I took away from it was I think I saw Chavez and Zamora, and they were just two straight up, stand up, good dudes from New Mexico. Yep. Their their speech was truthful. Their yep. character was solid, mm-hmm. and they weren't putting on airs. They were just like salt of the earth people. Yep, who were like, yeah, we saw it. <laughs> yeah, it was so, very yeah, soft spoken. Don't question that. No, no, and that that lends to the validity of the whole thing. It's just that, like I said. 
Zamora seemed reluctant, and he always was reluctant to to talk about it. You know. Yeah, he was not boastful. He was definitely not seeking um, fame or fortune. No, he was super humble. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think he just wanted to be seen as a as a human being who had an experience. Yeah, and it was a unique experience for sure. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. It was unique enough that Holder, like, this is another thing within the Air Force that it's crazy because there's levels, obviously. The interest went so high that Holder had to give a report to a colonel at the Joint Chiefs of Staff about the incident over a secure line. So... What Lonnie saw leads to, I mean, these very important people, even though they're trying to act disinterested, are very interested. And that's always the story with these things. It's like this good, uh, honest man saw something. He has no reason to lie, but publicly, let's say it's bullshit, but privately, what really fucking happened? You know, it's so frustrating (laughs) to read these things. You know, and of course there were hoax talks. There's all sorts of, uh, uh, this guy, Donald Menzel said that he thought Zamora was a victim of a very complex prank from high school students who planned, (laughs) did you see that? Yeah, they're just trying to get Zamora. Yeah. They like had explosions rigged and they're like trying to just get at Zamora because I guess they hated him. Just, yeah, he's a copper. Oh, my God. Dude, and uh, J. Allen Hynek wrote this whole rebuttal letter to this Menzel guy about how that hoax theory is just so dumb. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem... It doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't. It, I dude, think what he saw was pretty amazing, and it was also pretty remote, pretty far out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The dynamite shack. Yeah, but they're trying to say, like, the kids lured him out there and had everything rigged up and ready to go, and they had this big show for him to freak him the fuck out. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? People people hate... I mean, there's debunkers, you know, and the biggest one is Philip J. Class, who I've talked about before, who really... He went in on it. He initially tried to say it was ball lightning... Which was an excuse from the other policeman, Val Johnson, I did an episode on, who had a... a, Yeah, and that's like a bit... Not ball lightning. Yeah. Uh, But this class guy is a total debunker douchebag. He has no class. No class. That's why it's spelled with a K. Okay. Zero class. Um, K, K. Class. Fucking ridiculous. Get him out of here. But we don't want you. He he also speculated after his ball lightning thing got debunked, like officially debunked, uh, he tried to claim that Socorro's mayor, Holm Bursum Jr. No, Bursum wouldn't do that. He claimed that Bursum and Zamora got together and came up with this whole no. scenario to boost tourism and that Burzum 
owned the property where it took place. This is what class claimed, and it all turned out to be. Play. That property's probably worth about 50, 50 grand. Possibly. No one gives a shit about Bursum's property. Well, Bursum didn't own the property, so class is full of shit. Okay. And then, yeah, he he's just making this guy. This class guy is just class less. You know, like you said, it's just ridiculous. He's trying to say I they're, hope they're, there's a class junior. Oh, and I, I hope, hope that that class junior is feeling very sad that he didn't change the Wikipedia page <laughs> to Sakura. Yeah, and it's, really glorify our man. Yeah, because it's ridiculous what this class guy says, and uh, yeah, they didn't do it for tourism, but if they did, they're geniuses because I'm sure it worked just a little bit. Just like Roswell, well, yeah, they, mini Roswell, fine. you know. That, that's going to produce quite a lot of intrigue. Yeah, I mean, but it's... Yeah, you know, mm, the coral, bless its little heart. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't believe class one bit. Um, there, was another, there was another guy, Stuart Campbell, who said that he thinks almost certainly it was a mirage of Canopus. Which is the the that. second brightest star in the up. sky? Of course, you know what a mirage is, but yeah. Second brightest star in the sky. I don't believe that shit either. I ain't never seen no star. Yeah. Uh, come down, come down to the horizon in that way. It's never, except for the sun. Oh God. And that's different. We all know that's different. These skeptics sometimes are annoying. This that guy Menzel who. What is their deal? They're the original troll. I know. They just don't. I don't know. Maybe. They. they that's their a character they create is the angry person that can't. Like maybe they actually do believe, but they just created this monster of a character that just sells papers they and they make money off of it. Pick up. Yeah. Yeah, they're just reaction. fake. And here fake we people. are talking about them. Fuck them. That original, okay. that guy Menzel who said that it was the high schoolers eventually changed it to uh, Zamora misidentified a dust devil. That's even worse. That's a worse excuse. No, he would know what a dust devil was. Yeah, if you're yeah, if you're right? from New Mexico, no, we all seen them out here. We'd yeah. be seeing them. They Ridiculous. Look exactly what you think they look like—a little brown baby tornado that's right not hell. not a spaceship does not look like a brilliant blue <laughs> orange flame that can power an eggland's best eggland's uh, best oh speaking of that is, thing. that insignia i want to describe it real quick apparently it's like a like a a line a horizontal line on the bottom and then an yeah. arrow pointing up and then like a, a an arch like a like a arch above like a half circle above the arrow. Yeah. So it's like we're going up. Yeah, and in, apparently it, it looked like an actual um craft or it, it looked like an actual logo from an actual company that existed at the time called Astro Power. Wow which is a subsidy of Douglas Aircraft Corporation, which I know Douglas has been a part of some of these uh, investigations in the past. But anyway, yeah, like the the arrow pointing up in a line under it is like 
it could it could have been a Douglas aircraft vessel. Huh. Uh, very. Okay, that's worth looking into. Very possible. Very possible. Um, but yeah, all in all. But who are the little adult children? Who are the little? Okay. I mean that were that were startled. Exactly. Uh, frustrating because so many people saw the craft. Zamora is the only people, only person who saw the people. Um, True. Um, so we only have that to go on. And honestly, I well, that's the beauty of storytelling. It's like you know, I see it. Don't you? I think the listeners see it. Yeah. We see these little little buddies. <laughs> in their little mechanic outfit. That's right. That's very Mr. Rogers of you, uh, Mrs. They're Rogers. They're not going to take that away from us. Look for the helpers. Yeah. Um, just That's for, Rogers' quote right there. Look for the helpers. Damn. I fucking love it because it's true. Uh, but um, Zamora, yeah, to his dying day. Rest in peace, Lonnie Zamora. Believed that those little fellas or ladies, whatever they were, were extraterrestrial. From what I gather, he he really did believe that it was something from out of this world. And um, yeah, the I mean, he never he never found out. But the the city of Socorro did kind of honor it in these weird ways. They like set up a weird walkway with a fucking some benches and around a supposed landing site back in the 60s oh, like the late sit. 60s I'm gonna have to well take some sit there. I don't know if it's there anymore because the location was apparently the location where this little memorial walkway bench area was was a quarter mile from the actual landing site and was then suspected to be contaminated by radioactivity. <laughs> so I don't Mother know if it exists fuck. anymore. That's the same excuse they gave to Homeboy with the camera. I know, exactly. I so don't see it for a second. radioactivity, I don't know. Was it already there because of the fucking bombs going off? Or was it from the fucking aliens? I don't know. Or both. I blame Mr. Class. I'm just gonna blame Mr. Class for all of it. I blame yeah, that's a good yeah, that's a good starting point. Let's start with him because he's always wrong. But you could go Ew. see. You could go see. Uh, uh, in 2012, apparently, there there was a, a local artist, Erica Burley, who was commissioned by oh, some beautiful some city officials, Robbie Basker and Pat Salome, to paint a mural on a spillway facing Park Street. To commemorate the fucking sighting. So maybe that's still there. I don't know. Again, the artist, bring it back around. I'm going to find out. Go to South Park Street. I'm going to follow up on this shit. I'm going to follow up with the mural. I'm going to follow up with the Aitland's death. I need to know. I need to know. You need to. We We all need to know. know. Yeah, I agree. It's for for Lonnie. It is for Lonnie. It's for Lonnie and for Rin. Nep. Nep. Do it for Nick. <laughs> yeah, and just to just to bring it to an end here, I, let's. I want to talk about Zamora as a person and what he did after the incident because it didn't define Aww. his life. He was yeah. only thirty years old, 
at the time. He was on the police force for 15 years. He, he, he was a policeman for 15 years in Socorro. And then after that, he worked as a court bailiff. And then at one point, he owned a gas station in town. But he retired as the landfill supervisor for the city of Socorro around 1999, which is about a decade before he died in 2009 on Monday, November 2nd of a heart attack when he was 76 years old. Um, yeah, so he he never regretted reporting what he saw, like I said, because it was his job. And he was quoted by the Associated Press a year after the, after the incident as saying, if I can just forget about it, maybe it will go away. Uh, and that's lends to the whole thing that we've been talking about that like he seemed like he kind of had a fear of being judged or ostracized about it and his family said if he wanted if you wanted to talk to him about it he wouldn't but it it would have to be like the right mood would have to strike where it felt i guess i'm sure natural because he didn't want to bring it up he still felt weird about it but he never denied it you know it was just a weird thing that just he wanted so, to so go clear for a, a man of his generation. Yeah. To be in that yeah. way. Yeah. And he, he was a celebrity man. He got over 2000 letters from strangers over the years. He said, and he said that he heard the term flying saucer enough to last a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Aww, it's, it's, I love Lonnie. I know. It's like, a defining moment in his life that he sort of reluctantly embraced. But, you know, people hit him up all the way up until like the week before he died or we, a couple weeks before he died, the library tried to get him to come and speak about it. And then people were always hitting him up to be a guest on a panel. And, you know, the guy just didn't really want anything to do with it, but he did do unsolved mysteries and he did do a sh- uh, something for the discovery channel. He would come out of, uh, hiding every once in a while, but, okay, um, that's where some legit, uh, publications. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are still talking, about still him. talking about him, man. And this is, I, I found this one cool little, like, I don't know if it's a eulogy, but I'm going to read it real quick about the the day of his funeral. It says, A rosary was said for Lonnie Zamora yesterday evening at San Miguel de Socorro. This morning, a Catholic Mass was held and Lonnie Zamora was laid to rest. His was the story of a plain-spoken man who wandered unsuspecting into a moment unbidden and unwanted. But his was also the story of an unremarkable man who did that most remarkable of things, having seen the incredible... He told his story plainly and without embellishment, and then left it to others to make of it what they may. In such courage does a kind of immortality take hold. Of such acts does a legend endure. Indeed. That's Lonnie Zamora. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever wrote that did such a great job. That was great. And I, I don't know who the author was. But I, I found it on a Saturday Night Euphoria website, SaturdayNightEuphoria.com. Very in-depth research on this whole uh, endeavor here, this whole Lonnie Zamora thing. 
Um, but yeah, that's it. I'm that's glad it. to hear the reference, and I'm hoping that all of our Sakura listeners are gonna include it in the Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, hit up that Wikipedia if you if you <laughs> find yourself being a uh, skillful artificer of um, uh, Wikipedia page manipulation. Please hit it up. Uh, there, um, we know y'all love that Wikipedia. I know. Get on it. I had to fit in the word artificer because that's my new word for the night that I forgot to mention again at the top of the show. Oh, I tried to. Playhouse I know. Oh. I keep forgetting to mention it, but I fit it in. <laughs> Way to be. There it is. But that's Loving it. That. That's it. Emily, thank you for being here. That was awesome. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, it was super fun researching and I love anything about New Mexico, number one, and then number two, I love anything about just the whole universe and all the possibilities out there and I'm never surprised to hear all the different tales and experiences that people have. I I believe them. Well that's awesome. Let's uh let's figure out another uh subject to talk about if not a follow-up about uh, your Socorro and La Madera excursions that might happen in the future. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be sitting on some benches. I'm going to be looking at murals, and I'm going to be a Glenn's best thing, and I'll get back to you. <laughs> awesome. I would really appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Brohan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you thank for you being Thank you, everyone, here. for listening. Awesome, man. Well, have a good night, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Same. All right, good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, there it is. I hope you enjoyed Donut and the Dingus talking Lonnie Zamora. That was a really fun one. Uh, I really enjoyed that one, and I hope you did too. I I realized that I said Las Cruces Labs at one point instead of um, Los Alamos Labs. I don't know why I said that. It must have been the PBR talking at that moment, but maybe you didn't catch it. And But yeah. That that's that's a little correction I guess I needed to make here, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. Tenth episode in the books. Thank you so much for being here with me again. And as usual, tell all your friends, tell everyone you know, send a link, do do anything you need to do to just help this this lost rhetoric community grow. I would love uh, to 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 see some new listeners. Uh, pop up in the in the coming week that would be great so yeah and also hit me up on social media instagram at lost rhetoric podcast facebook at lost rhetoric pod and email me at lost rhetoric podcast at gmail.com let me know how you're doing i'd love to hear from you uh yeah that's it number 10 on to number 11 please join me next week and until then stay safe Thank you.